Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. This is the audio version of each episode of the Empire Files hosted on Telesaur English. You can watch every episode at theempirefiles.tv. Last month, the University of San Francisco made an alarming discovery that 93% of Americans tested had traces of a chemical called glyphosate in their urine. Last year, the World Health Organization deemed glyphosate a possible carcinogen. So why is glyphosate everywhere, including inside of us? Because it's the main ingredient in biotech giant Monsanto's flagship product, Roundup, a pesticide sprayed all over almost every acre of food grown. Not only has Roundup been dumped around the world more than any other weed killer in history, but the U.S. is its largest customer. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, a record 280 million pounds were used in 2010 alone, nearly one pound of poison for every American. With new revelations of a seemingly urgent health crisis of a cancerous chemical infecting nearly everyone, one would think the company responsible, along with the U.S. government, would take measures to protect people. But in fact, they've done the opposite. Monsanto has already proven it cannot be trusted to care about anything but money, especially when lives are at stake. A quick look at the corporation's scandalous history reveals it as a sinister threat to the planet's ecosystem, economies around the world, as well as the livelihoods and very lives of millions of people. Monsanto was born in America in 1901 by a man named John Francis Queenie. His new company was financed by the blood and sweat of Puerto Rican farm workers when his father-in-law and big sugar merchant, Emmanuel Mendez de Monsanto, used his vast profits to bankroll his dream. During the sugar shortage in World War I, the Monsanto family convinced America the solution was buying its fake sweetener, saccharin. The corporation also blew up with war profits when it was contracted to help with U.S. bomb making. By the time Francis passed on the company to his son, Monsanto was already producing everything from aspirin to sulfuric acid. From its inception, the corporation employed the shadiest of tactics to avert laws that infringed on profits. Founded in St. Louis, Missouri, pesky taxes and regulations led the Monsanto family to drive just four miles over the Mississippi River to establish their own town, which they aptly named Monsanto, Illinois. The town of Monsanto had extremely lax regulations and low taxes, and thus became a literal dumping ground for other corporations. The town's head even admitted to the Wall Street Journal that it was created to be a sewer. Today, it's a toxic wasteland. As factories flocked to the tax haven in the 1920s, Monsanto grew the fattest with its production of one of its main products, industrial chemicals called PCBs. The serious toxicity to humans was known and concealed by executives, which would almost cause their downfall decades later. But this was a time of Monsanto's burgeoning rise. And in 1943, an opportunity presented itself that would cement the long and very lucrative relationship between Monsanto and the U.S. war machine. Monsanto head Charles Allen Thomas was called to the Pentagon, not only asked to join the Manhattan Project, but to lead it as its co-director. Thomas put Monsanto's central research department hard to work building the atomic bomb. Fully aware of the implications of the task, the budding chemical empire sealed its relationship with the inner circles of Washington on two fateful days in Japan. It wasn't just people thousands of miles away. 
Monsanto is also responsible for irradiating American citizens by being key participants in human experimentation that tested the effects of radiation on pregnant women and their unborn babies. Nearly 900 pregnant women were fed radioactive iron made by Monsanto. Along with other chemical cohorts, Monsanto produced plane loads of one of the world's first pesticides, DDT, a toxic insecticide blanketed as a solution to malaria-carrying mosquitoes during World War I. After the war, DDT profits surged as it was marketed as a wonder chemical. For the next 30 years, a propaganda campaign assured its safety, despite multiple scientific studies concluding the opposite. DDT devastated bird populations by making their eggs paper thin, leading to the near extinction of osprey, falcons, pelicans, and ironically, America's national emblem, the bald eagle. Congress didn't tell the public there was any concern while it was cataloging a census of mass fish die-offs. Public pressure forced Congress to ban DDT in 1972, which has since been proven to cause an array of human health effects, from birth defects to cancer. Monsanto's war profiteering carried on to the war on the Vietnamese people, where the biotech titan and the Pentagon would again unite to kill hundreds of thousands of people. It became the military's top producer of a deadly chemical weapon known as Agent Orange, outshining other chemical giants with a concentrated soup, 1,000 times more powerful. Agent Orange was so deadly because it was produced at the lowest cost possible, causing an unnecessary byproduct called dioxin, known at the outset to be toxic to human beings. Monsanto and its cohorts in the U.S. government consciously hid the information from the public. Today, a health crisis plagues U.S. veterans as well as hundreds of thousands of innocent Vietnamese with birth defects and cancers. Even the workers who manufacture the deadly soup are stricken with cancer, along with residents in the town of Nitro, where they allege dioxin was carelessly dumped for years. Monsanto wasn't just poisoning Southeast Asia, but globalizing what's considered one of the gravest chemical threats on the planet, PCBs. PCBs are a group of industrial coolants that are widely banned today as a carcinogenic pollutant. For 40 years, Monsanto was the world's largest and America's sole manufacturer of PCBs, which dumped hundreds of thousands of tons of them into the air and land that will poison the environment for decades to come. In Anniston, Alabama, at its main PCB plant, Monsanto routinely trashed toxic PCB waste into the waterbeds and landfills for nearly four decades knowingly poisoning tens of thousands of unsuspecting residents. As reported by the Washington Post, in 1966, Monsanto managers discovered that fish submerged in that creek turned belly up within 10 seconds, spurting blood and shedding skin as if dunked into boiling water. They told no one. In 1969, they found fish in another creek with 7,500 times the legal PCB levels. In 1975, a company study found that PCBs caused tumors in rats. They ordered its conclusion changed from slightly tumorigenic to does not appear to be carcinogenic. Monsanto reacted by concealing the truth, choosing blood-soaked profits over safety yet again. In its own documents responding to PCB concerns, Monsanto heads declared, we cannot afford to lose one dollar of business. In 1979, the EPA banned PCBs due to its link to birth defects, nervous system defects, and cancer. Of course, Monsanto denied the science, and it took the 20,000 victims years to finally get compensation when a jury found Monsanto guilty on six counts, including negligence, suppression of the truth, and outrage. Under Alabama law, the rare charge of outrage requires conduct 
so outrageous in character and extreme in degree as to go beyond all possible bounds of decency, so as to be regarded as atrocious and utterly intolerable in civilized society. The national scandal surrounding Monsanto's willful exposure of millions of people to potentially deadly poisons threaten the company's survival. Branded as a gross polluter and human health danger, Monsanto was desperate to rebrand itself to continue to grow as a business empire. So they hired a consulting firm to give them a facelift called Bain. In 1977, Bain put its new hotshot, Mitt Romney, on the job. Romney emphasized to Monsanto CEOs that they could never shake their association with reckless, deadly chemicals. Instead, they should invest in what wasn't controversial, creating life rather than cancer. He developed new propaganda slogans like feeding the world. Under the rebrand, Monsanto liquidated large parts of its chemical manufacturing and began transitioning into an agricultural behemoth. Romney's brilliant plan won him a huge promotion to the head of Bain Capital, the source of his mass wealth today. And for Monsanto, the new chapter in their life as a poisoner of the earth would reach unimaginable heights. In one of their moves to enter the food market, Monsanto staked claim in the diet soda industry to push one of the FDA's most contentious chemicals, aspartame, better known as the artificial sugar and NutraSweet and Equal. In 1985, Monsanto bought GD Searle, the company that patented aspartame amidst a growing health controversy. The year prior, a grand jury investigation was launched into Searle for covering up the dangers that aspartame causes tumors and holes in the brain. The U.S. attorney that stalled the investigation was then asked to be partner at Cyril's law firm. To combat the bad publicity, Cyril knew it needed political pool. So it chose Donald Rumsfeld as its new CEO. The partnership paid off big in 1981 when Rumsfeld joined Reagan's administration and handpicked a new FDA commissioner who would play ball, Dr. Arthur Hull Hayes, who quickly lifted the red tape for Cyril and flooded aspartame into the market. Two years later, Hayes sprinted through the revolving door into the seat of Burson Marsteller, the chief lobbying firm for Monsanto. Today, aspartame is in over 6,000 products in grocery stores, due to Monsanto's carrying the torch for the chemical pariah. Monsanto was the first to genetically modify a plant cell in 1982. Advertised as part of their mission to feed the world, their GMO crops sought to give them a monopoly on the food industry. We're Monsanto, and we're working with farmers and partners worldwide to realize a vision for sustainable agriculture. Monsanto was already producing a widely used pesticide known as Roundup. And to ingeniously sell more, they engineered a plant to be resistant to heavy doses of Roundup's glyphosate poison, called Roundup Ready. But such a new and uncertain invention faced public skepticism and bureaucratic hurdles. Lucky for them, this was the Reagan era of runaway deregulation. Monsanto executives arranged to meet with then Vice President George Bush Sr. with the desire to work on mutually beneficial regulation to quell consumer fears about this radically new technology. Bush assured them that the red tape would be lifted. And I would say, quite frankly, we have no complaint about the way USDA is handling it. They're going through an orderly process. They're making sure Very that as they deal with these new things, they do them properly. And uh, no, if we're waiting until September and we don't have our authorization, we may say something different. Call me. We're in a direct And boy, did he. Soon after becoming president, Bush Sr. created a new deregulation initiative called the White House Council on Competitiveness. According to the Washington Post, it was a command post for a war against government regulation of American business. And Monsanto was first on deck. In 1992, the council oversaw new FDA guidelines that stated GMO crops required no additional testing or regulation, 
despite protests from within the FDA due to the uncertainty of long-term environmental and health consequences. Over the next 20 years, Monsanto, with the government's help, flooded the planet with seeds and ate up its competition, acquiring dozens of companies along the way. Monsanto now produces 80% of the corn and 93% of the soy, two ingredients that make up the base of almost all processed foods in the U.S. Poll after poll finds that a huge majority of Americans want GMO labeling, just like every other developed country required long ago. But multi-million dollar propaganda campaigns and fear of lawsuits from Monsanto have prevented any state legislation from going into effect. I was an attorney in the corporate depart law department of Monsanto Company. Making sure Monsanto policy was cemented long after his administration, Monsanto co-conspirator Bush Sr. also appointed former Monsanto lawyer Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court, one of the deciding votes to see his son W. in power. Throughout the 90s, Monsanto spent millions defeating state and federal legislation to continue to dump dioxins, pesticides, and other cancer-causing poisons into drinking water systems, causing degenerative disease and numerous birth defects, according to multiple lawsuits. By 1995, the EPA had ranked Monsanto fifth among U.S. corporations on its list of top dumpers of poison, having discharged over 37 million pounds of toxins into the air, water, and land. In 1994, the company overcame another controversy, corralling its friends and government to approve bovine growth hormone, which artificially increases milk production in dairy cows. The FDA gladly accepted data from Monsanto's sponsored trials, determining there is no difference between milk treated and not treated with RBGH, despite widespread opposition from consumer advocates. Mr. Chairman, there is an issue of enormous consequence that I fear has not gotten the kind of discussion and attention that it needs from this body. And that has to do with the introduction of RBGH, Monsanto's bovine growth hormone, uh, into the marketplace and the impact that it is going to have on family farming, on animal health, and perhaps on human health. Also, I must tell you that I am extremely concerned about the role that the Food and Drug Administration has played in this entire process. And among many other concerns that I have is that at least three high-ranking members in the Food and Drug Administration formerly were employed by the Monsanto Corporation. Today, the hormone is banned in Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Japan. Unable to tolerate even a modicum of competition, Monsanto has ruthlessly gone after small farms attempting to label their products RBGH-free. It's also lobbied several state legislatures to pass preemptive bans against hormone-free labeling. As usual, Monsanto employed its multi-million dollar propaganda machine to fight the scientific warnings about their product. In 1997, Monsanto told Fox News head Roger Ailes to shut down an investigative report on RBGH, and even had the two journalists fired days before it was to air. Monsanto's very survival depends on going to war against the science that could take it down. With billions of dollars to spend for every scientific study that warns of the hazards of Monsanto's products, it conducts its own studies to counter it and employs its own propagandists to debunk it. Like passionate GMO advocate Professor Kevin Fulta, exposed to be a paid Monsanto shill by a FOIA request after years of denying any ties to the corporation. In addition to paying sellout scientists, Monsanto sometimes buys the whole lab. Biologic's research firm is one trying to get to the bottom of the global honeybee collapse. 
While biologics would obviously study the effects of the world's most used pesticide, Monsanto outright bought the company. Even with the media in its pocket, Monsanto would not be the criminal powerhouse it is today without total collusion and partnership with the U.S. Empire. So on behalf of the Monsanto team, uh, welcome. We are uh, honored to be a part of this dialogue. I want to thank you for um, the collaborative efforts that you've put towards uh, agriculture. Throughout the decades, Monsanto has had a lucrative revolving door relationship between its company and operatives in public office. Every administration has worked closely with Monsanto, rewarding the chemical beast with endless contracts and subsidies. Iraq's occupation governor, Paul Bremer, even decided he had to go out of his way to help Monsanto before leaving his position. As one of his last acts, Bremer passed a pro-Monsanto order, stipulating that Iraqi farmers shall be prohibited from reusing seeds of protected varieties. But Obama has been one of the most pro-Monsanto presidents thus far. Heavily sponsored by the ag industry, he's given the company billions to secure a foothold in Africa and appointed several Monsanto executives to top government positions. Like Roger Beachy, a director of Monsanto who was appointed by Obama to be director of the USDA's National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Or Islam Siddiqui, a Monsanto lobbyist who Obama picked to be an agriculture trade representative. Siddiqui's job is literally to promote and sell Monsanto crops. Another one of their paid-for puppets, Senator Roy Blunt, passed the 2013 Monsanto Protection Act by sneaking the provision onto another bill, giving the company legal immunity. But no one takes the cake of corruption like Michael Taylor. He left the FDA to lead Monsanto's law practice until being appointed by Bush Sr. to a cushy new FDA position just in time to sign off on the contested rulings for both RBGH and GMOs. Taylor left the government again to cash in on his clout, this time to work as Monsanto's vice president. In 2010, Obama created another FDA post tailored for Taylor. And now he's back, rubber stamping pro-Monsanto legislation as the deputy commissioner for foods. With decades of creating a well-oiled machine of propaganda, protection, and privilege, their latest tricks to protect their profits threatens more people than ever before. Their longtime cash cow Roundup is the cause of the newest emerging threat from the corporation. Roundup's true danger is classified. Monsanto is not required to disclose their secret recipe. But what we do know is that the main ingredient, glyphosate, has long been considered toxic. Many studies have already made the connection between glyphosate exposure and a number of serious human health effects, including cancer. But in 2015, when the World Health Organization finally upgraded glyphosate to a probable carcinogen, Monsanto made nearly $5 billion in Roundup sales alone. With so much profit at stake, its main interest has always been to keep the health risks of glyphosate hidden. After defeating legislation to put warning labels on Roundup back in 1986, Monsanto's production of the mix surged from 11 million pounds per year to 300 million pounds by 2012. A 2016 Environmental Sciences Europe report found that 18.9 billion pounds of glyphosate has been used globally, more than any other weed killer in history. Today, the most popular crops all over the world are engineered to survive heavy doses of this poison. But while crops are Roundup ready, people are not. And now it's everywhere. Scientists have found it in over 70% of rain samples. And the U.S. Geological Survey discovered that 38 states had the toxin in the majority of their rivers, lakes, and water treatment plants. Monsanto countered the latest news that glyphosate is in 93% of Americans with the promise that these levels are harmless to humans, with its usual assurance that they can be trusted. But warnings from science and health professionals are only growing louder. Several studies, 
including by the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health and the National Cancer Institute, found farmers' risk of developing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma doubles when their crops are sprayed with glyphosate. Just this May, five Nebraska farmers stricken with non-Hodgkin lymphoma filed a lawsuit against Monsanto for intentionally misleading customers about the health risks of Roundup. But beyond the serious health risks to humans, Roundup threatens us with potentially catastrophic food crises. Not only has Roundup's super-technological expensive method not proven higher crop yields, the entire ecological balance of the Earth is threatened by Roundup's toxins. While Roundup is extremely effective at killing things, nature has fought back with widespread repercussions. Monsanto Company, the manufacturer of Roundup, spent years erroneously advising farmers to exclusively use ever greater quantities of Roundup to control the weeds in their fields. And for years, farmers listened. Meanwhile, these weeds were receiving evolutionary pressure to select for a trait of resistance to Roundup. The Roundup-resistant trait is now dominant in weeds growing in many areas of the country. Roundup use has created increasingly invisible super pests and super weeds, resistant to the chemical designed to kill them. They cover more than 15 million acres in the U.S. alone, posing potentially devastating effects to food production. But Monsanto's leaving the world's farmers little choice. Despite making profits of over $8 billion in 2015, Monsanto viciously goes after small farmers for patent infringement by telling them that for the first time in history, they can't replant their own seeds. Farmers who must purchase Monsanto's seeds are forced to pointlessly buy new models every year. If they don't, they're ruined by Monsanto. Since 1997, Monsanto sued 147 farmers for so-called seed piracy, or rather, replanting their seeds from a previous crop, a practice as old as agriculture itself. According to a Vanity Fair investigation, Monsanto relies on a shadowy army of private investigators and agents in the American heartland to strike fear into farm country, where they secretly videotape and photograph farmers, store owners, and co-ops, infiltrate community meetings, and gather information from informants about farming activities. Monsanto even hired the notorious mercenary army Blackwater, today known as Z, as its intel arm using literal mercenary soldiers to spy on, infiltrate, and harass activist groups organizing against the biotech firm's crimes. Now, Monsanto's seemingly unstoppable growth is possibly entering a new level. The domination of its crops is full speed ahead toward an unprecedented agricultural monopoly. Currently in negotiations with Bayer, the two are the top suppliers of agrochemicals, seeds, and GMO crops. A marriage between them would take that dominance to a new level. From India to Brazil, there are millions of victims, not only from Monsanto's dark poisons, but from the economic warfare it's wreaked worldwide. The fight against Monsanto is not just taking place in the courts, but in the streets, where a heroic movement is building. On May 23rd, 2016, tens of thousands of people protested against the ag giant in over 400 cities across at least 40 different countries around the world. As Monsanto grows into an even bigger beast, planting the seeds for new environmental and health catastrophes, joining the ranks in the fight against this criminal corporation is growing ever more urgent. The consequences are too great to let this monster live, and its trail of suffering leaves no doubt that it must be taken down. Thank you for listening to the Empire Files podcast. If you want to subscribe to our mailing list, please sign up at theempirefiles.tv.
We want this show to be a resource for those fighting against empire, both here and abroad. Let us know what you think on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Empire Files and Facebook at The Empire Files.